What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. Welcome to episode 99 of the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where we sit down with some of America's greatest leaders and find out how they have learned to lead with their faith out in front. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike Lynch, and it is my honor to be on this leadership journey with you, as we're all seeking to be the leaders that we were created to be in the space and the place that God has put us. Well, I pray your 2021 is off to a great start. We are roaring into the new year with two great podcasts already with Daryl Strawberry and Tony Newhoff. How much fun have those two been? Incredibly different, but incredibly fun and engaging. And I tell you what, I couldn't do it without you. Thank you every week for the month of January and every uh, time we put out a new episode. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. I've talked to a few people lately that have been binge listening, and that is awesome. So if you are listening in now, then getting caught up on earlier ones, man, I am so honored that you take time to do that. You know, we had a recent review come in from Talks Away. It says, Mike, I was in my kitchen listening to your podcast, heard my name in the comment I wrote. I froze. It just felt, felt so wonderful to have been heard. I cannot explain, but I thank you for noticing me. I pray so often for you, your family, and the gift of your podcast. These podcasts help my walk with Christ more than I can express. My favorite one, as I continue to replay, is Brett Pyle. Thank you so much, Mike, for these podcasts and ways to grow closer to loving Christ and others. Thank you. Thank you for listening in, and man, it means the world. You're a striver. If you're listening to this, you're a striver. You're not killing time. And to know that you're striving for your life to make a difference, that means all that uh, I could ever tell you in uh, knowing that you're going to make a difference in in this world. Well, today, our podcast guest, is a repeat guest. In fact, she came on earlier uh, as we began this podcast journey. She was one of the ones that I saw out there. I couldn't wait to meet. And her name is Molly Fletcher. She was known as the female Jerry Maguire for her years in client representation in the sports and entertainment industry. In fact, she successfully negotiated over $500 million in contracts. But today, Molly is just not a sports representative. She is a game changer. In fact, her Game Changer podcast is one of the greatest podcasts where you hear some of the highest level executives, leaders, and athletes share their story and their game-changing moments. Molly has seen so much, and she has done so much, whether it's interviewing incredible people on her podcast, Uh, being featured in ESPN, Fast Company, Forbes, Sports Illustrated, the writing of multiple books, and her newest newest one on the energy clock, which we're going to talk about. But Molly and I just dive into drive, leadership, and faith. And I think you're really going to enjoy it. Unlike any that uh, I have heard Molly do, but I tell you what, man, it was a great 
conversation. So I want you to pull out something to write into. I want you, if you got your phone, you're going to thumb in or paper you're going to write in. And I want you to pull up a chair and I want you to listen in to my conversation with Molly Fletcher. Well, Molly, thank you so much for joining me again on this Lynch with a Leader podcast. It's an honor to have you again. Well, it's an honor to be with you again, Mike. It's awesome. I love it. Well, I appreciate so much the difference you're making. You work with leaders all of the time. What's the biggest thing you're seeing with leaders with how they've responded during this season? And I think it's been a pretty good little season of adversity. <laughs> what would you say of how you've noticed leaders responding to that? Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, I, I think most what I see as great leaders in general and the ones that I've had the opportunity to interview on my podcast or to speak to or they 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 embrace this. Mm. They lean into it and 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 they say to themselves and what they believe is this is going to uh, this is going to make me better. This is going to allow me to serve my customers in a way maybe that's different. Maybe I'll uncover some gifts in this. Maybe there's goodness in all of this. And I just got to find it. It's, it's sort of how they think. And so there's this level of curiosity. Um, there's this uh, belief that they will make it and they will come out better. And, and as long as I, I find with the best leaders, the ones that really have a clear purpose, really have a clear why in the work that they do, they, 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 they recognize that if they can continue to live their purpose, if they can continue to deliver against their their why even though the way in which they do it may be a little bit different then they lean into it and they embrace it mm. is that one of the things that separates average leaders and subpar leaders from the great ones is one's willing to lean in and one is almost looking to get out yeah it was funny i interviewed the uh, jim um McCle i'm not gonna say his name well maybe you can cut that part out i don't know if you can or not but <laughs> Uh, he founded Square and, you know, he, I said, tell me about your relationship with fear. And he mm. said, you know, we have a wonderful relationship. We're together all the time. You know, fear hangs out with me every day. Um, and he said, you know, in, in, a, in a way, um, I, I have a bit of a comfort factor with it because everything that I'm doing, I'm constantly pushing myself. Wow. You know, he's got a private pilot's license. He said, it's wet. The weather today is not great. It's icy. It's windy. He's like, but that's okay. You know, I like to put myself in those situations and then come out of them. And I know it, it just builds that muscle, right? I think at some level it helps you get stronger. So yes, I mean, I think, and I saw that with the best athletes in the world. I mean, they, they all wake up every day with this like layer of insecurity, this layer of sort of fear mm. because they see right behind them, the guy that can take their job every day. They see their stats they watch them do what they do in business. It's not quite like that, right? Like yeah. we don't see all the people, right? We don't see their bit. We don't see their numbers. We don't see it all. But what I saw with athletes is they had no choice, but to wake up every day and get better, or they literally were, were, were at, at, at risk of losing their jobs. And so the, the best absolutely lean into change. They lean into fear. They lean into discomfort. And, and what they all find is they come out better. How have you handled fear? Because this fear has entered, I'm sure, into your world. I remember last time we talked, talking about a young girl moving to Atlanta to work with the Olympics to where you are today. How have you handled fear through the years? Well, I, I mean, it, you know, I, I would like to say that uh, I've handled it fairly well, but there's certainly been lots of moments where I've felt it and frozen. There's been mm -hmm. moments where I've mm -hmm. felt it and questioned it. There's been moments 
like that. But I think the key is when you find yourself in those moments to get your mindset right, to tell yourself the right story, to, to get clear up in your head. You know, our minds are powerful things and they tell us stories that we can begin to believe and stories that in fact at times are not accurate. And they can take us to a place, that story that doesn't serve us. It doesn't allow us to serve the people in our lives that matter most. It doesn't allow us to serve our, mm -hmm. our mission in life. So I, I think what I have always tried to do is what I saw my athletes do, right? Is they stepped into those moments. Yes, they were uncomfortable. Yes, they were scared. But what they always found generally is the person on the other side, whether they were successful in navigating that moment specifically or not, usually got a little better, mm. right? So I, um, you know, a, a perfect example, I'm on spring break with our family. We have three, three daughters and, you know, it's early March. We're in Mexico having an amazing time together. And the phone rings and my office calls and says, hey, uh, you know, that, that keynote in Vegas on March 25th, they're going to go ahead and uh, postpone that. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Because of this COVID thing. And she's like, yeah, yeah, you know, it, yeah. Okay, cool. Two hours later, hey, you know that keynote in Orlando on March 17th, they're going to they're gonna postpone that, right? You know, the next day, right? Three more phone calls. The next day, right? And the next day, I'm like, we need to come back to the U.S. I mean, we're, we're out of here. And so I came back and I have this calendar on my wall with, you know, I, I write all my keynotes on those and all sort of my dates when I'm delivering. And and, you know, I, I don't know, I probably had 15, 20 keynotes inside of sort of the back half of March and into April. And by the time pretty much I got back to Atlanta, I took an eraser and took it to all the back half of March and all of April. And I've never, ever found myself with 45 days of, huh, like, what does this look like? And here's the way God works. This is what's amazing. On February 23rd, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. Now, what a gift. What a gift. She decided to do everything in Atlanta. I was able to absolutely pour into her from end of February all the way through the end of April where she lived with us with my dad. And I was able to take her to our appointments and I was able to be right beside her through a mastectomy. And now she's doing terrific. But what an amazing gift, right? What a blessing. And so I think in all of these moments of change, of fear, of challenges, it's, it's about recognizing the gifts in that, right? Recognizing, you know, my, my, my girls are 16, 16, and 17. I mean, in a minute, my husband and I are going to be empty nesters. That's right. They're here all day long, every day, right? Now yep. they're back in school. But, you know, and, and granted, that's not the, you know, I'm all for, I, I like my girls being in school. I think it's good for them mentally and emotionally and spiritually and all those things. But there was some pretty cool things about having lunch on Tuesday at noon together at the kitchen. I mean, that was cool. So, it's it's in all this discomfort recognizing there's a why behind it all and you know it's like my husband said the other night with all the fear of covid the greatest fear is the fear of the lord and so mm, mm. what are we what are we worried about that's so good and being able to stop in the middle of it and what i've enjoyed during all this is watching people recreate themselves oh, yeah. and, and totally. watching leaders. I know John Gordon and I talked early on when all this hit and he goes, yeah. now I've got time. And I watch you pivot. I watch John yeah. pivot people that make their living out speaking, but you pivot yeah. and now you're a new busy, but it's a busy that's 
enjoyable because you are, you said it earlier, I get to go walk, take a walk with my daughter this afternoon after delivering a keynote online. Yep. Love watching leaders like you adapt in it. You did something really good. Uh, One of my favorite things you've done is out of all the podcasts you've done, you put down your top 100 statements that people have made that really grabbed you. Mm -hmm. I wanted to hit a couple of those and hear why they grabbed you. Mm, One of mm -hmm. them was, and this, this is one of the ones that, that uh, grabbed me as well. Bloom where you're planted, be great where you are from coach Dabo. What was it about that statement that snagged you? Well, because I think all along in life, we find ourselves in moments. I mean, you know, big moments and little moments, personal moments, professional moments, moments that people see, moments that people don't see, you know, moments with others, moments alone. All those moments are moments to bloom, moments to get better, moments to evolve, moments to get stronger. And and, and, and the, when Dabo talks about it, you know, he talks about how whether he was, you know, an, an assistant coach, a coordinator, whether he was picking up the head coaches, you know, dry cleaning, mm. he was going to do it great, right? He was going to nail it every single time. And I think that if we wake up every day with that mindset, that irregardless of or regardless of the moments and the situations that we're in, if we can give it all we got, if we mm. can do our very best in those moments, all of those things add up, right? Like I, and, and, you know, what I loved about that statement is that I saw for 20 years, all the little moments, the bloom where you're planted moments with athletes, right? The, 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 the late night, the light, you know, the, the sun's gone down and they're still on the putting green, grinding it to get it right. You know, the, the guys that are down at BP early, you know, the, the pitchers in the cave, I mean, all those moments. So when the world sees game seven of a world series and a guy sit, you know, guys down and they go, wow. Right. Like that wasn't an accident. That's right. That was a whole lot of little moments of blooming where they were planted. So that when they maybe found themselves on the bigger ones, they were ready. That's so So. good. And you know, it's interesting to see Dabo because that's who he was. And now we all look at the spotlight on him and go, it's incredible what God's Mm -hmm. done there through Mm -hmm. him. Mm -hmm. But he was, he was doing that long before I remember doing a chapel service for them. And he was his first full year as the head coach as a nobody. Right. But he was who he is today. Yeah. Which is the coolest. What a great, what a great statement. One of the other ones was leadership starts with self-awareness from Ian Crone. Why is self-awareness so big to leaders to be effective? What would you say? Well, I I think you've got to know who you are, how you show up. What are your blind spots? What are the things Mm. that you do as a leader that drive your people crazy, that, that, (laughs) that take them to a place that doesn't make them their best, that takes them to a place that doesn't allow them to love what they do, that, that takes them to a place that makes them resent you, that them not to want to follow you. What are those things? And, and we all have them. I mean, we all have blind spots. And I think we have to have the courage to ask the people that we lead, what are they? Tell me. And have the courage as a leader and the wherewithal to create a place that's safe enough that they can tell you. And, and then you can say, okay, now I'm going to lean into in, trying to ensure that I, I don't do things that take you to a place that doesn't serve all of us and certainly you and make you better. So, you know, self-awareness to me is one of the most important things we can have as a leader, because I think it allows us to lead in a way that 
drives connection and sustainability in, 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 the, in the impact that we're trying to make on the world. Really, that's really, really good. One of the other ones, uh, Simon Sinek, and this, this is great. Be the leader you wish you had. Yeah. How can you do that? How, how does a leader who's a driver, who is a pusher, which most leaders are, right. how do they make sure that they keep that in the forefront, that they're the leader they wish that they had had? What would you say? Well, you know, it's funny. I mean, I think we're hearing a lot about the word empathy right now. I actually did a session on it the other day. And, you know, when you think about the leader that you wish you had, I think that's people that, you know, can, can put themselves in the shoes, really, in the head and the heart of the people that you that you serve. I mean, you know, we're both in Atlanta, right? I, I interviewed Arthur Blank recently. And, and, and Arthur, of course, owns the Atlanta Falcons and started the Home Depot. And and, and one of the things that Arthur does, and, and maybe this is sort of this be the leader you wish you had, you know, he has all of his people, whether, you know, it's with the United or the Falcons or when he was leading Home Depot, do various jobs inside of the organization on mm. the front lines, right? So he has, you know, Rich McKay pressure washing a stadium to get rid of the peanut shells, right? He has him grabbing the French fries off their conveyor belt to hand to, to the customers at football games. He has them taking tickets. This is cool. And so when we get ourselves in a place where we step into the head and the heart of the people that do what we do, I think it gives us more perspective. It allows us to lead them better. I know one of the mistakes I make a lot is I don't realize all the things that have to happen sometimes. And I think a lot of leaders can find themselves in this place, all the things that have to happen to get something to the place that it is. And as leaders, sometimes we think, well, just make it happen. And, and, and by the way, do it really fast <laughs> and do it right. Don't make any mistakes along the way. And, and sometimes, though, I think as leaders, we and, and this is something that I have to work on is, is to pause and say, well, tell, tell me what does this look like? What has to happen for you to do all this? And then you have more perspective. That's something that I'm always working on because I always want everything done five minutes ago. <laughs> exactly. Do you find yourself listening to some of these incredible leaders that you have on your podcast and you get off and go, I don't know if anybody else is going to hear this, but I'm better for that time. Oh, Do you yeah. find yourself, it's almost, it's almost selfish when you spend that time with them? Oh my gosh. I mean, absolutely. I feel like every single one, I just feel so blessed mm -hmm. to have the opportunity to spend you know, I had the opportunity to interview Matthew McConaughey the other day. I mean, and, and, and it was as if he had absolutely nothing else to do. I mean, it was an hour and 20 minutes. I'm like, Matthew, I mean, you're amazing, but like, I got to let you go. I mean, and, you know, what a guy. I mean, there was just one, you know, moment, one comment, one thought, one behavior after another that just blew me away. And his humility, his mm. kindness, um, his intellect. Um, you know, one of the things he said that I loved is he said, be less impressed and then you can be more involved. So in other words, when we're less Boy. impressed with ourselves and maybe then, then we can be more involved and we can connect more, right? Mm. In other words, he used the analogy, he said, Molly, if you were having this conversation with me and in awe the whole time, we couldn't be connecting, right? If I was having this conversation with you thinking I was better than we couldn't connect. Boy, How cool. Good. I mean, it, and so it's just one conversation like that after another, and then to be able to do it and then, you know, record it, yes. obviously, and, and push it out to the world for other people to gain the benefits. It's awesome. And you do the same thing, which is 
so cool. It's it, it really is amazing. And I, I heard a guy say about Matthew McConaughey. He's the one guy that every woman loves and every man loves. He's <laughs> he's he's that guy. It's amazing. I'm glad it was you, not my wife, that got to record Matthew McConaughey. That's good. I'll let her listen, but it's probably good she didn't connect with him online. Um one of the other quotes, and I love this from Herm Edwards, there's a difference in being interested and being committed. Which are you? What do you think is the difference between a, a person who's interested and a person who's committed? Consistency, discipline, uh, for sure. I mean, it's one thing to be really interested in something, and it's a whole other thing to, to wake up every day you know, day after day, I had a conversation with my nephew the other day who, you know, has all these ideas and all these things and which are fantastic. Right. But I said, dude, let's, let's just get up every day. Let's get up every day and get after it from eight to five. Some days you're going to love it. Some days you're going to hate it, but let's do that before we start, you know, looking at some stars and some, I mean, this kid's very aspirational, which is great, but let's get up every day and grind it. Right. Like that's commitment. And, and to me, there is, you know, the best athletes in the world, yes, they have natural gifts, but the ones that stay there for a long time, not the ones that come to the big leagues for a cup of coffee, yeah. not the PGA tour players that, you know, get up there and, and keep their card for a year. Not the coaches that, that do it for three or four years and get fired. The ones that stay there, they're committed. There's mm. such a difference. One of your quotes that I love, and I think it ties so well into your newest book, protect time on your calendar for deep work. Mm. Why is it so important for leaders who are, I think they make busy. I think, yeah. I think the quarantine showed that. I think people that they didn't have to be busy, but they made new busy. Yeah. Why is protecting that time on the calendar so integral for deep work to happen in their lives? Well, I think it gets easy to execute against the, you know, urgent, but not necessarily the important. And, and, and then we get to the end of a week or the end of a month or maybe the end of a quarter or the end of a year and go, did I really move the chains, right? Mm. Like, did I live my mission? Did I do the kinds of things for my customers, for my employees that matter most? And, you know, for me, and, and Cal Newport was that quote, and, and, yeah. and, 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 and for me, what's imperative is to, to block that time off. I believe that you have to look at your energy, your time through the lens of energy. And set, and so, in other words, pulling back and saying, where do I need to put my energy and, and against what? And so I am a huge proponent of, you know, going in and blocking out two or three hours to really focus. I mean, all the data around multitasking, how much it drains us is, is incredibly powerful. And I always believed, oh, I got this. I can do four things. I got it, right? I can go to the grocery store, talk to a client. I can, you know, I can, I can do all... You can't, at least well, right? And you make mistakes and then you have to do them again. And so I have gotten really intentional and disciplined about saying blocking time to plan, to anticipate. And, and that's why I believe you've got to have your goals, your, your vision, your mission all right in front of you because I think otherwise you execute against that inbox and not what matters most. I mean, the number one reason people don't achieve, which I don't really love that word, but hit goals is really a lack of visibility. You'll see mm. them enough. They're not in front of you. Is that something you have to recalibrate all the time? That you almost you you set this, and then is it easy to 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 go back in the old 
I am good. And you called it in the book. I thought it was really good. There's almost a badge of honor that leaders wear. Right. They're busy. Yeah. How, how much do you have to recalibrate yourself to keep yourself going this way? You know, I would say weekly, if not at times, even daily, right? So, so at the beginning of every week, like sort of on Sunday, I'll typically look out at that week. And, and I'll look at my time, my blocks. I'll, I'll look at some of the things that I need to make sure, the two or three elephants, if you will, that I want to really move forward. And I'll make sure those are, are, are intentionally being sort of navigated and moved every day. And, and then there's times throughout the day where I have to be really intentional. What are the two or three things that I need to make sure that I move forward today? And how am I ensuring that I'm disciplined about anticipating what those are? And, and, and actually blocking that into my calendar. Because if we don't decide where we put our energy, I always say the world will for you, right? That's like if exactly you're not right. intentional, other people will decide. And to me, I don't think we should give that away, right? Mm. We need to lean into that and own it. You had a great, great story in the book that you talked about Tom Brady. And we've, wa- we've watched him leave the Patriots, sure. go to the Buccaneers, who've been a, I mean, they've been a, and I know they've got a new coach this year, but I mean, typically they are a uh, middle of the pack organization. Sure. And you've watched this infusion of a guy. Tell everybody a little bit about what fascinated you about how Tom Brady executes with his energy and his energy allotment. Well, I mean, you know, here's a guy who is, you know, this skinny kid out of the University of Michigan. I mean, he's a six-round pick. He's the 199th pick in the draft. And and keep in mind, Mike, I went to Michigan State. It's hard for me to lean into a Michigan guy. <laughs> I was okay? say, this it's is hard. definitely of the Lord. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> it's hard. So he he's a six-round pick. I mean, he isn't supposed to be this good. That's he isn't right. supposed to be out there this long. I mean, so then why? Why? Right now, it's a whole lot of things, obviously. But but one of them, I would argue, is that he has always been remarkably intentional about where he spends his energy. And I think the gap is business people pause all the time and say, where am I going to spend my time? We accept meetings. We, we find things on our calendars. We find ourselves at events and think, what am I doing here? I don't even want to be here. I don't even want to be at this thing or doing this. So, so then why? Mm-hmm. Right? And so... You know, what athletes ask themselves is a similar but different question, which is, where am I going to put my energy, right? Because it's not enough for Tom Brady to show up to a football game on time, right? Like, <laughs> business people think, well, I'm going to get to the meeting on time. It's about how Tom Brady shows up. Does he show up with the kind of mental focus, physical energy, emotional wherewithal, right? Is he, is he in all these energy categories, physical, mental, emotional, relational, spiritual, are all those aligned? Because at that level, you need all those things to be lined up That's right. to, to deliver at that level. So, so it was, you know, he to me is the consummate at some level expert, if you will, on, on, on looking at life through the lens of energy and then aligning his mindset and his behaviors against what he's already gotten clear on as it relates to where his energy needs to go to perform and deliver the way he know he can he knows he can why is no so important to that that word and you talk about that why is the word no so hard to say for yeah. drivers and yeah. people that want to produce but yet you can't you can't say yes all the time and have energy allotment and how how why is why is no so hard for a leader 
Well, I think to get to a certain place in life, you say yes a lot because that's kind of maybe how you got there, right? Like you said, yes, I'll stay after at the office and stuff those folders. Like, yes, I'll do that extra thing. Yes, I'll be there on Saturday. Yes, I'll take that call, you know, with Dubai at nine at night. Yes, 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 yes. But then you get to a place where you go, wait a minute. I, now maybe I have an opportunity potentially to say no to ensure that I'm, that I'm really focused mm, mm. On, on, on the things that are going to drive this organization's growth. And it takes discipline. It takes intentionality. I mean, you know, there, are, and, and, you know, I'm, for example, for me, I'm a people pleaser. I, I love to try new things. I love to do new things. You know, I'm, 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 I'm on the phone with a friend the other day and she's telling me about how she's the guest professor at a university teaching. And I thought, man, that'd be cool. Like I could teach on a Georgia tech, a sports marketing class. Well, I mean, really, I have yeah. three kids that are getting ready to go to college. I have a full-time employee. I mean, what? Right, maybe one day. And so those are things you put kind of on your vision board. But no, right, not right now, at least. Mm. And I think the, the shift mentally that we need to make in our, in our minds is when we say no to something, whatever that thing is, right, what I always try to tell myself when I'm maybe in that moment a little bit disappointed because I kind of wanted to say yes, or I felt like I needed to, or whatever the situation what I always try to remember is I'm saying yes to those three core values. I'm saying yes to, to my employees. I'm saying yes to the vision that I created at the beginning of the year. I'm saying yes to my three daughters and my husband. And, and that was the story that I always told myself when, you know, a, a guy got called up to the big leagues. And gosh, man, if I got on that 6 a.m. flight to Phoenix, I'd get there and I could get to the park in time. I could get there for his warm-up. Mm. I could be in the stand. But it's my daughter's birthday. Like, mm, that doesn't align with my values. I've built a great relationship with these, this athlete. He's not going to fire me if I'm not at his big league call-up, right? He's not going to fire me. How can I make up for this when it works, but be there for my family? Because I've gotten clear that that is most important. So I think no requires intentionality and it requires discipline. And I'm certainly not suggesting it's easy, but I definitely believe it's important. You know, there's so many that listen to this podcast, Molly, and they're in the they're in the coaching world. Maybe they're collegiate, maybe they're in high school. They're athletic directors. They're a, they're a grad assistant at a university, and they're like, "Man, I've got to say yes because that's the only way I'm going to arrive." How would you challenge if they if you were coaching them, you were sitting down across the table, and they're saying, "Listen, I want to be a head coach one day, so I want to be, and I've got to be careful about my nose." How would you how would you coach them about the proper way to say yes, sure, while also having the ability to say no for their ultimate dreams and goals? Well, first with a lot of questions, right? Like, so how does doing this take you where you want to be in three years? And and is the answer to that yes? Is the answer to that no? Right. So taking them out to the to the place that they want to go, taking them out three years, taking them out five years. And, and, you know, I have a business coach who's amazing. And sometimes I just say, just tell me what to do. He won't, he won't. He'll just keep asking me questions. He just keeps asking me questions. But what he does is he helps me own the decision and he helps me get clear. So for me, I would ask that person, does this align with where you want to go? Does this, does, is this the place in which you should spend your time and energy or if you spend it over here doing something else, does that then take you where you want to go? And so to me, asking ourselves and having the, just a moment to pause, to pull back and ask ourselves those questions 
to me is integral in making sure that we're intentional. You had a great quote in the book. We can't lead. We can't serve. We can't solve problems if we don't have enough energy. Yeah. That is that is a powerful, power-packed statement because I think so many times we want to do all those things, but yet our our energy is it's it's down. Yeah. How how have you learned this? as a leader, because who you are now is not who you were at 25, right? No, I mean, you've, you've right. adapted and changed. How have you learned this through the years to be most effective in that area? You know, through, through crashing, through mm. getting exhausted, through overdoing, through not doing it right. And then finding myself at a place I, 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 I was, and I think I tell this story in the book, but I, I had all these keynotes one one sort of in this sort of couple week window of time. And, and, and now I've created some systems, but at the time my girls were six, six and seven, you know, my mom flies in to help because I'm going to Philly and then LA and then Vegas and then Dallas and then Detroit. And it's insane. And one keynote after another. And I remember, and, and then I had sort of this voluntary board meeting in Miami at the end of the kind of a, a long sort of 10, 12 day stretch. And, and, and that was when I went, I didn't really need to say yes to this, and I did. Mm. And now I, I'm feeling disconnected from my family. I'm feeling like a, I'm not a great mom right now. I'm feeling like I'm not serving my husband, all these things. And so it was a moment, and I, and I called my mom, and I was in a wreck. I was in tears, and I said, Mom, I, I mean, I'm just, I feel like I'm, 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 I'm in the wrong place doing the wrong things. I, I've made some poor decisions, and, and I'm feeling it. And she said, well, and she's awesome. But she said, honey, just so you know, everything here is really good. Like the girls are good. For, everything's good. I said, well, I'm not. Mm. And I literally, good or bad, right or wrong. And I'm, I'm a big, like, if you say yes, you finish. Yep. But I went to that part of the board meeting. I shared my dilemma and said, look, guys, I'm leaving at noon. And I flew home, spent a little bit of time with my girls, pulled them out of school. We went and had a picnic. It was so awesome. Got them back in school. And then I had to go back to another event. And... But I came back and my mom said, how are you going to make sure you don't do that again? Like, mm. what are you going to do? She's amazing. She said, what are you going to do to ensure that that doesn't happen anymore? And that's when we came up with some systems internally. So like max two keynotes a week, right? Max, you know, and, and we created some, some systems of really looking at time through the lens of energy and then having the discipline to say no, mm. right? Because it's, I mean, I never thought somebody would pay me to go tell them. I mean, really? That's like, right. what a gift, what a blessing. And I'm saying no, but what I'm saying is yes to my, to my girls and to my husband. So um, mistakes are, are what got me clear. And I'm so glad you said that because I think so many people think, well, she just got it all the ways right. And everything, no. and, and most of us end up where we are because of mistakes sure. and either we learn from them or we don't learn from them. And thankfully you did. And I'm a, I'm just a phase past you. My both, I'm an empty nester now wow. and you'll be amazed how much more time you have. Right. And so you're not going to regret your energy allotment. I promise right. you that having those no. kids at home, yeah. that's going to, that'll be something 10 years from now, you're going to look back and say, I know that I missed some things, but yeah. I sure I'm glad I didn't miss that. And so right. I, I applaud you in that area. That's, that's really big. I know, I know Molly, you're a believer and you're, you're a Christ follower. When you look at Jesus's life and when you think about what he did in the gospels, 
it pretty is, I mean, it really is crazy. You know, John says all the books in the world couldn't capture the things that I saw. Mm-hmm. How did you see Jesus using his energy that's inspiring and challenging to you as a leader? What would you say? Mm-hmm. You know, I think he clearly was on a mission and he aligned his energy with that mission. And he wasn't really worried (laughs) about what other people thought, right? And he was intentional about that. And so, um, you know, he, he did, obviously, he changed our world in remarkable ways. He changed your and I's and a whole lot of other people's lives. That's right. In some incredible ways. And so I, I think he was focused on what mattered most and disciplined about the way in which he showed up, even though at times, obviously, um, he was challenged. Mm. And so, um, and that's why I always use the word discipline when we think about energy, because I think it takes discipline. It takes courage, of course which Jesus had, to do those things. And um, yes, I mean, obviously, um, leaning into the way in which he showed up Mm. uh, is is something obviously all of us um, every day can learn from. You know, it's amazing how when you read the stories, how present he was in the stories, which Mm -hmm. when you don't handle your energy well, you struggle with being present wherever right. it may be and sure. wherever he was, whether it was the woman pulling on his, pulling on his robe or right. the dad saying, my daughter's dying. None of those were his destination for the day, right. but yet he was present in those. When, when all this is done for Molly Fletcher and you're not the keynote and you're not the podcast host and you're, when you're not the author and when you're not the business coach and the consultant and all that, how do you hope you've spent your time while you've had it? How do you hope in your ultimate energy audit, mm-hmm. as you look back on your journey in the rearview mirror, when you're not the most sought after person in the market like you are now, how do you hope you've spent your time and your energy? Well, I wouldn't say I'm the most sought after person in the market. <laughs> take it, take it. You can put it on your thing. I just said it. It's good. We 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 cast it out in the atmosphere. <laughs> um you know, that I led others to a better place, that I inspired them to be their very best version of themselves every day, that I truly connected. If, if I've truly connected, then I believe I've been able to influence. Um, and that I've done it all with a whole lot of optimism all the time and a remarkable amount of courage. And so that's what I hope's on my tombstone. I hope you enjoy that time with Molly. What an incredible lady. You know, it was so fun to talk to her about some of the things that she's heard on her podcast that really struck her and why it struck her and what it what was it that she took away from that. Because the quote in and of itself was great. And that was just a part of our interview, I know, but it was just so interesting to learn what makes her tick. And uh, man, Molly Fletcher is a difference maker and she really is a game changer. So in our show notes, make sure and go, you'll have access to her books. You'll have access to her social media. 
ways that you can continue to learn from Molly, access to her podcast. And I hope you will tune in because anything we can do to make ourselves better, we're going to be better for it. Thank you, Molly Fletcher. You have made us all better. Well, our 100th episode, I have set aside for it to be the 100th because the idea and the passion of the Lynch with a Leader podcast on spiritual leadership was birthed from my time with Blackaby International in our coaching workshop, and specifically Richard Blackaby. Richard and his dad, Henry, wrote the book Spiritual Leadership, which was a transformational, pivot-orienting book in my life. And I couldn't think of a better way to spend our 100th episode than to talk to the guy that sort of spurred all this into existence. So I can't wait for you to listen in in the next episode to Richard Blackaby. It is a powerful, powerful interview and time together. And that will release next Monday. Boy, I can't say thank you enough. If you've enjoyed this podcast, leaving a rating or review helps me more than you could ever dream. And I know that uh, it gets this podcast into places and hands. It won't get into any other way. Well, I pray that this week as you lead, that you'll be a game changer and you'll be the leader that God created you to be in the space and the place that he has put you. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com.